Hello everybody, my name's Dean Lewis and I'm going to be covering the next 30 minutes Azure for the vSphere admin. Um, so Azure's getting a lot, lot bigger for people to move into. It's very, very easy to set it up, have a play about in terms of just adding a credit or a debit card to it. So it's just going to be a nice and easy step through what do we need to know as beginners. So first and foremost, the critical things. Where do I find this presentation for the information that's in there? Really nice and easy. vexpert.me forward slash Azure, and you can download this from my Dropbox link. What are we going to cover today? So we're going to cover storage, networking, virtual machines, high availability, and migrating to Azure as well. So first and foremost, uh, everything's done through a web portal, as you can imagine, with a cloud-based service. So we're going to talk about the constructs that we deploy that through. So everything is, uh, all resources um, are deployed, are linked to a subscription, and this is where your payment details are connected. So this may be connected to a credit card, or it's connected to a CSP, which is Microsoft Cloud Services Provider. Um, and this means that you pay your reseller for the resources that you use. Within that subscription, you also have a resource group. So this is a container that uh, holds all related uh, resources for your Azure subscription. And typically, it's going to provide access for your users to the resource group and the resource within there as well. So it is a container for security in that sense, in terms of user access. And resources within this, uh, resources located within the resource group should all live within the same lifecycle as per the deployment methodology by Microsoft. So that means if you deploy a web app, all of the resources for that web app would stay within the same resource group, but then you wouldn't add in um, resources from a completely different application or maybe a database that isn't related to that same web app as well. So the first thing to know, everything within Azure and the Azure portal has a limit. Some of these are soft limits and some of these are hard. So for example, within your subscription, by default, you get 20 CPU cores, which isn't a lot. Um, and to increase these, you just open a support ticket. And unless you're going for something really high and really daft, it's an automatically completed process. Um, you can have 200 storage accounts per region. And you can have 10,000 virtual machines per region as well. And you can have 800 resources per resource group. So straight away, there are some very basic but fundamental things that will um, help you in terms of how you design your Azure deployment as well, looking at these limits. For very simple and small designs, you won't really need to think about them, but as you start to scale out your environment, it is something you'll need to cover off. So let's start looking at Azure storage. Everything is held in a storage account. And that is broken up into four main things. That's as your blobs, which is an object store. So that can store text, binary, or VHD files. We've got the Azure files. So this is managed file shares for cloud or on-premise deployments. So essentially, this is an SMB version 3 share that also has a REST interface that you can connect to as well. We have Azure queues, which is a message store for reliable messaging between application components. And Azure tables, which is a NoSQL score for schemaless storage of structured data. Honestly, for those two, it's not an area that I work in, so I won't be covering off the last two on that list. So with Azure storage, the first things we need to think about is data location. 
So the first data location is locally redundant storage. So this is three copies locally within the same data center infrastructure that Microsoft will keep for you. That doesn't mean they keep backups of your data. It just means they keep a copy of their data available so that they can bring it back up if they have a fault on their side. So you won't be able to just ask them to restore yesterday's file for you. You have to cover that off yourself within their platform, within their offerings of through a third party product. Um, we then have geo-redundant storage, which is where that data is replicated to geo-locations, as included in the name. And we also have the ability for read-only geo-data as well, which is where you are actually given an ability to read and use the data that's stored in another geo-location, but it is only read-only access. So because we're mainly going to be thinking about infrastructure, because we're VMware admins at the moment and we're taking our first steps into Azure, think about virtual machine disks. So everything gets a system drive. So we all know what a system drive is, whether it be Windows or Linux as a construct. Um, we get a temporary drive. So this is a temporary disk where um, short-term storage for page file and swap files. So on this temporary disk, when you log into your Windows VM, you're going to see it as maybe the D drive. And if you store any data on that particular drive, if you reboot the VM, that data is going to be lost. Um, you then also have any data disks that you add into the environment as well. And this is where you should store all, of, all and any data, whether it be for your applications, file services, whatever it may be. And you can have them at various different sizes we'll cover in a moment. So what type of virtual machine hard drives are available? So we've got the typical normal spinning Rust hard drive. We have standard SSDs, which are in preview at the moment, and we have the premium SSDs. Uh, we have the ability of unmanaged disks and managed disks, which I've got some diagrams to show you the differences as well. So unmanaged disks, traditional disks used by virtual machines uh, when Azure was first released and up till the past two years, and um, they're capped by the limits of the storage account. So this means you can have a maximum of uh, 500 terabits and 20,000 IOPS, and that limit isn't per the disk you add into the virtual machine, but the storage count itself, which means it, as your environment gets bigger, you may need to think about architecting the use of multiple storage accounts to uh, increase the limits or not hit them, so to speak. With managed disks, when you deploy these, it handles the creation of storage accounts and management in the background for you. So you don't see a storage account linked to a managed disk that's being deployed. You don't have to worry, therefore, with the scalability of these particular storage accounts. And you specify the disk size and the performance tier that you want, standard or premium, and Azure creates and manages all of that side for you. So on the left, we can see uh, unmanaged disks with a compute cluster, and they're sat into one single storage unit. And this also needs to be thought about in terms of that data location as well, and the failover and high availability of that data if an Azure zone goes offline. Whereas with a managed, uh, uh, managed disk, again, the same compute cluster, but connecting to different storage units. And again, you can specify and help spread that data across different failure domains as well. And just a quick preview using Storage Explorer within the Azure uh, interface. And here we can see um, the VHD constructs for virtual machines that have been deployed within the particular environment. So networking. So the Azure virtual network is the equivalent to a vSwitch. Uh, a vNet is isolated from any other vNet. 
and you configure your customer private address range within these VNets. So different VNets will have different address space and obviously not a great idea to overlap them. It can become quite confusing. So again, another design, uh, a design fundamental you need to think about upfront as you deploy into Azure. And you can segment them virtual networks into one or more subnets and allocate portions of virtual machines into each subnet within there. So for example, you could have a 10.0.0 slash 8 range and then split it up into multiple uh, subnets within that 10 range and then deploy another VNet which may use the 172.18.0.0 over a slash 24 and then maybe further subnet that down again for your own needs. Um, you can enable communication between your VNets using VNet pairing. And for communication out to the internet, you need to configure a public IP address for your devices that you've deployed, or use a public load balancer. And communication to on-prem is typically going to be using a VPN gateway, whether this is point-to-site or site-to-site, -site, or you can decide to pick an MPLS provider of your choice in your area and link using ExpressRoute, which is a dedicated um, non-internet-based link up into Azure, and that can give you speeds up to 10 gig. So for networking, we have something called network security groups. So this is used to filter traffic to and from a VNet. Each virtual machine will have a network security group attached to its network interface, which means you can set network settings per virtual machine that you've deployed. Whereas we have an application security group, and this groups virtual machines together and defines the network security policies based on that whole group. So if you have a number of web servers deployed, you would deploy the application security group, allow your HTTPS traffic, possibly block port 80 access, and this would then put, push that to all the virtual machines within that group. Whereas if you did it on the network security groups individually, you'd have to make that change to each uh, virtual machine instance deployed. Okay, so looking a bit more depth in virtual machines. So we're just going to look at the IaaS platform today. You can deploy from a list of templates of standard images. So you can deploy pre-packaged operating systems, Windows, Linux, Ubuntu, Red Hat, whatever it may be, or included with bundled software from the marketplace. So for example, VMware or Commvault installed on Windows servers. And deployment times can always vary, even when repeating the same deployment over and over. That's something you do need to think about because you are consuming a flexible, elastic cloud service. First things first, let's be open and honest. Microsoft will reboot your virtual machine if it needs to. Usually they'll do this for maintenance reasons and it's extreme maintenance reasons. So for example, if there's been a, a massive underlying hardware failure for whatever reason, However, they will always best effort try to live migrate your machine somewhere else if they know predictively that hardware is about to fail or they're doing maintenance. In the SLA agreement, it states that they will pause your virtual machine. So you may see dropping packets for virtual machine as it's moved, for example. However, um, we don't see this on a day-to-day -day basis, but let it be known that it is there in their SLAs. So how do we work around this? How do we stop Microsoft from rebooting our virtual machines? Well, the answer is you can't. What you have to do is create an availability set, which for ourselves in the VMware community, know as high availability. Um, it's not the same. So you are not able to make a virtual machine highly available across multiple hosts in the same way you can with VMware. Microsoft will try their best to do that automatically for you, but offer no guarantee. Instead, you create an availability set, which is a group of virtual machines to ensure your service stays online 
during any failures or updates. So i.e. web servers will not sit together within the same fault domain or update, uh, sorry, the same fault domain or update domain. So what is a fault domain? Uh, a fault domain is either two or three. Think of it as a rack of servers within a data center. So two VMs will be in different racks. So if power, networking, storage failed to one of those racks, the, the opposing virtual machine in a different rack wouldn't be um, affected. An update domain is typically a group of uh, five to 20 hosts within Azure. Um, and these will all be updated at the same time. So Microsoft will ensure that your virtual machines are spread across different hosts. So we have a diagram just showing there the difference between fault domains and upgrade domains. So fault domains, think them as, as individual racks. Upgrade domains are grouping of hosts across those racks that they can update at any one time. So availability sets, use managed disks by default. There isn't the ability to use unmanaged disks. The disks of the VMs will be isolated from each other to reduce single point of failure, again, against different storage domains. Um, and they will be aligned with, the, aligned with the virtual machine fault domain as well. So the fault domain limits vary per, per, per region. So within North and West Europe deployment zones, the maximum is three, whereas in the UK, South and West, where I'm from, the maximum is two at the moment. So that's also something to worth thinking about when you deploy your virtual machines. We then have something which is called availability zones. So these um, are where your virtual machines are spread across Azure zones globally, rather than within the same data center. So they're available for West and North Europe, but not in the UK at the moment. Virtual machines are in entirely different data centers. You'll need advanced networking, such as load balancers, or connectivity with VPN gateways between your Azure zones to make this work, possibly. Um, and there's no additional cost to setting up the availability zone itself. There will be costs to uh, for VMs to send networks to transit between the zones, and a cost for additional services, such as load balancers that are used. And of course, while deploying in different zones means different pricing structures, possibly, as well. Okay, so just very quickly, a screenshot in the Azure portal within uh, my resource group, a couple of different virtual machine resources that have been deployed. So for my application server, I've got the public IP address that's attached to it. I've got the uh, virtual network interface that's been attached. And I've also got the network security gateway as well. And then again, I've got the same for, an, for two different SQL servers, and then my virtual network at the bottom and a storage account as well for my logs to be stored in where needed, um, and also any unmanaged that I create. Okay, so let's cover off the final topic, which is migration tactics. So really helpfully, Microsoft have a migration center website, which helps you through all of this. Um, so we're gonna cover a couple of them options. So the first one is the um, uh, Azure Migrate service. It's a virtual machine appliance which is deployed. Unfortunately, it's only supported on VMware environments at the moment as OVA. You can't deploy it onto a Hyper-V environment. I know, crazy right, because it's Microsoft. Um, this will monitor and analyze your environment. It will produce a report on the virtual machines within your environment. It will give you an output of what it thinks it should deploy into Azure, i.e. the instance sizes, the size of disks, whether they're managed or unmanaged. And it will also migrate those for you. <clears throat> what are my other options? So the next one is the Azure Sites Recovery Service. So there's a deployment planner tool for this, and this is actually used for DR purposes, but again, a little bit like VMware SRM, you can actually use it to migrate sites as well. 
So you can replicate your on-site virtual machines, whether they be on a VMware or Hyper-V environment, up to Azure. You can test failovers, again, similar as the VMware SRM service, and produce a report on it. But if you wanted, you could permanently fail over them virtual machines into the Azure environment as well. We have other options out there. So I'm going to, uh, today we could use Veeam Backup and Replication. There is a free direct restore to Azure feature. So even if you just pulled down today the Veeam Backup and Replication free edition, backed up your virtual machines from your VMware environment, you could restore them directly into Microsoft Azure today. That's completely free. Um, or you could script it and do it on a more permanent basis if you have a, a paid for version of Veeam and there's blog posts available for that. It's just a, one quick Google away. And there are other uh, third-party tools out there. So uh, BitTitan have one available. Um, so by no means least, Veeam the only people that can help you with this. OK, and the last couple of things to kind of round up on. So VMware on Azure. How interesting. Not officially announced, not being announced at VMworld this week. However, it was announced by Microsoft over a year ago. Um, to enable this solution, Microsoft are working with VMware cloud provider program partners that already have VMware certified platforms to allow you to migrate into a data center which is directly connected up into the VMware environment. However, this is not the same as the VMware with AWS type relationship or deployment. Microsoft are doing this on their own. There was quite a lot of hoo-ha in the press about it, as you can see with the register article. And essentially, at the moment, they're going to be using a FlexPod deployment by NetApp, used at a partner. Um, it's very similar to Azure's bare metal SAP HANA instances. So it is its own standalone environment. It's not a composable infrastructure the same way that Azure is currently, or the AWS is, where you can elastically expand hosts, for example. However, VMware have now released statements saying they are going to work with Microsoft to ensure that the environment is set up to a, a best practices way and works for the customers that want to migrate up there. Oh. And finally, uh, the last one, but I thought I had a slide on it, was there is also, to keep in the back of your mind as well, the VMware with Horizon deployment on Azure. So this is where you can deploy VMware Workspace as a service in Azure today. You can connect up um, RDS farms, whether they be in Azure or on-prem, and also deploy Windows 10 or Service 2016 instances for desktop and session-based instances as a cloud-based Horizon deployment. So VMware is working very closely with Microsoft on instances like that. So I can only imagine it's time before we start to hear more Azure-based um, announcements, just maybe not this week at VMworld. Okay, so that covers everything from me today. Thank you very much for your time.